From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. We're seeing a fitting end to the political year. Parliament was urgently recalled to thrash out an energy deal and a former Prime Minister grilled in front of a Royal Commission. This week's showdowns were stark reminders of just how much our politics has transformed since January. But have the major parties learnt the right lessons from 2022? Who has listened to voters? And who's at risk of losing touch? Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on how Adam Bant, Peter Dutton, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese ended the year and the political battles ahead in 2023. It's Friday, December 16. Paul, buongiorno. Good morning. Buongiorno, Paul. (laughs) So, Paul, the federal government seems to have made a deal on energy, and that deal, it comes after two parties that traditionally have a lot of differences when it comes to energy and climate, that is Labor and the Greens. They managed to come to some sort of agreement. So tell me about it and, and what it means for the way that Australian households will be getting their energy. Yes, Ruby. Well, we thought Parliament was done for the year, but Anthony Albanese decided a deal on energy just couldn't wait. Uh, Parliament, I can report, will be recalled next week to deal with the legislation. Parliament will be recalled next week to pass the Prime Minister's $1.5 billion energy plan. He recalled MPs and Senators who returned to Canberra this week. And I want to thank... Uh, the Greens uh, crossbench members, as well as uh, the senators, including Jackie Lambie and David Pocock, who I've had discussions with today, uh, who've agreed that it's appropriate uh, that Parliament uh, be recalled. Now, once the recall was on, it was clear Labor would need the support of the Greens because the opposition was being decidedly negative. And uh, it got it. So what does it mean? Well, Labor's plan to cap the price for domestic coal and gas will come in. And energy prices will still go up, but they'll be lower for consumers. The Greens won from Albanese a package for smaller businesses, renters and lower income earners to transition to cleaner renewable energy. And that'll be announced before next May's budget. The plan is to help these households by moving water heating and cooking over to electrification. Uh, It hopes to help low-income households not only to save on their power bills, but better prepare them for the energy transition ahead. We want to see more money in people's pockets, paid for by making the big coal and gas corporations pay their fair share of tax. Adam Bant said on Wednesday he still preferred that the government freeze energy bills temporarily and introduce a windfall tax on the mega profits of the energy companies. Uh, We want to have some further discussions with the government about um, the level of support that's going to be provided to people because we're worried that people are going to end up doing it tough. Randy clearly hopes the agreed package means once the price caps end in 12 months' time, we won't be back to where we are now. But on balance you'd have to say he was happy to have secured this deal. That way, we're going to deliver savings, especially to low-income earners, that won't just last for 12 months, but that'll last forever. You know, Ruby, it's a remarkable end of the year for the Greens who have seen their place in Parliament, well, transformed. Their party room has expanded dramatically. 
and they've been in a position of deal-makers or deal-breakers with the government. It's a reminder of just how much has changed in Canberra since the election. Mm. And the Greens' power to make deals at the moment, that's obviously down to the fact that earlier this year they went from nine senators to 12 and this government needs their votes to pass a lot of legislation. So if we take a step back, how have the Greens been wielding that power so far and and what should we take from their approach to being part of the, the balance of power in the Senate so far? Well, the May election certainly was transformative for the Greens, there's no doubt about that. Adam Bant predicted his party would increase its representation uh, dramatically, and few believed him. But one thing is for sure, this was a Green slide. More people turned to the Greens than ever before, and I am so, so delighted that there will be so many new Greens MPs from Queensland representing this state and the people of this state in Parliament. And you'd have to say that so far they've wielded their significant share of the balance of power constructively. They've helped pass not only the important energy deal, but the changes to industrial relations legislation we saw the other week, the National Anti-Corruption Commission, as well as the new legislated emissions reduction target of 43%, which the Greens made sure would be a flaw and not a ceiling on the government's ambitions. Mm. But the Greens, they have significant differences with the Labor Party. In the past, some of the contests between the two progressive parties of Australian politics have been even more vicious than the ones between them and the Conservatives. So do we know if this kind of spirit of constructive cooperation will continue now that these major pieces of legislation where they have agreement have passed the parliament? Well, that's one of the big questions for the coming uh, year, Ruby. And um, I got a bit of a clue to what might be happening. Uh, I went along to Adam Bant's uh, end-of-year drinks. You know, every leader throws a bit of a cocktail party at the end of the year, and it's a chance for them to talk more candidly and personally about how they think they and the party are going. Well, Bant's was at a chic Canberra bookstore restaurant, and he was thrilled by how many people turned up. They're, of course, eager to hear what the Greens have planned for next year. The packed crowd of press gallery journalists and stakeholders uh, and lobbyists, well, it was a far cry from the handful who used to show up for the party's founding leader, Bob Brown's drinks, that were in his small Senate office. Well, Bant told the crowd as they munched their vegan canapes, the honeymoon for the government was ending now that it had delivered on key things that the Morrison government either couldn't or wouldn't do. And Bant said his party would lift its profile even higher in the coming year. He said next year he expected Labor to consolidate as the centre-right party of government on economic issues, which would leave plenty of room for the Greens to be the party of social democracy. He intends to push hard for the Stage 3 tax cuts to be scrapped and the huge savings of $254 billion be diverted to things like greater relief for families and households and boosting the New Start unemployment payment above the poverty line. He sees the big contests in Australian politics as increasingly between the Greens and the Labor Party, with the coalition making itself less and less relevant. And the events of this week, Ruby, could be a foretaste of what's to come. We'll be back after this.
The city of London in Andrew O'Hagan's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest, Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Paul, as politics wraps up for the year, we've been talking about how things are poised. And and you said the coalition really struggled to get its message across on energy this week. And it, it seems like that applies in general since the coalition lost the election. It's been struggling to, to find a foothold politically, hasn't it? Yeah, I agree, Ruby. Uh, Peter Dutton and his team still seem to be struggling to compute the lessons of the election, especially on climate change action and gender equity. The Prime Minister went to the election promising on 97 occasions that he would reduce power prices by $275. It's just not going to happen. The one thing the government will not address is the need for more supply. They rejected energy experts, independent agencies and the opposition. Supply, supply, supply. This will fail. This week, opposition leader Peter Dutton and his energy shadow minister Ted O'Brien parroted the talking points of the gas companies in their opposition to the energy deal. And all we see today is a cobbling together of manic thought bubbles presented as one comprehensive package, and it's not. It will fail, right. and the Australian Did- people know we'll be here again next year with high prices and probably a, a higher risk of blackouts. They warned the moves would fail to deliver in the short term and were, quote, a monster in the making that would have a disastrous effect on the industry in the longer term because it would, quote, kill supply. Now, Ruby, wittingly or unwittingly, the opposition in saying this was also sending the message to voters, especially the ones who deserted them for the Greens and the Teal independents, that the Labor government's intervention would hasten the demise of coal and gas. (laughs) Well, just think about that. It's exactly what these voters wanted. They have no plan, no clue. They think it's just fine to let gas companies charge whatever they want. I mean, Peter Dutton's talking points are basically the gas company's talking points. That's the matter for him. He's got no original thoughts, no original ideas, no plan of action at all. Energy Minister Chris Bowen took these scare tactics head on and was much more in touch with the contemporary zeitgeist when he said... I understand that gas companies want to maximise their profits. Well, that's their job. We have a different job. Our job is to protect the Australian people. Gas companies want to protect their profits. So I want to know why Peter Dutton and Ted O'Brien think that these prices, more than doubling, is okay, And why do they think it was all right to let energy prices increase by 50%? Uh, would they stand, What's their plan? Would they stand- now, just where Dutton intends to take the Liberals next year, well, it isn't clear... Some on his backbench, like the veteran Victorian MP Russell Broadbent, were very unimpressed with the negative posturing ahead of the energy package vote. 
He went on the record early in the week to flag he would not be voting against a benefit for pensioners and low-income earners in his electorate. It shows there's still a big divide in the Liberal Party room over how to connect with the broader electorate. It'll be fascinating to see how Dutton resolves the conflict between pandering to regional voters, particularly in Queensland coal seats, and urban voters everywhere else who see no reason why coal and gas shouldn't be quickly phased out. Mm. And at the same time, Paul, Scott Morrison has been fronting the Royal Commission, answering questions about robo-debt. And this is a, a fairly unceremonious end to the year that he began as Prime Minister. And it has to be an unwelcome sight for Peter Dutton as he tries to turn the page and, and move on from the Morrison years. Look, I'd have to say Morrison struggled to be convincing in the witness box. He filly blustered instead of filibustering, did that too, and he gaslit public servants. Now, if you go to the last page there... Mr Morrison, I'm not going to the last page. I've well, asked I'm, a I'm question, you've given an question. answer. But you and, already and, have, Mr and, Morrison. Well, the, the, the answer's no. You, you've given your answer. The Royal Commissioner had to pull him back several times to answer the questions. Now, I think and, you were actually asked about directions or guidance to Miss Campbell. I'm happy to respond. We'll go right ahead. And by the way, that bill is now $50 billion, not 12 when it comes to the NDIs. Mr Morrison, can I just get you to stick to answering the question a bit more? I do understand that you come from a background where rhetoric's important. The unlawful robo-debt system was conceived by departmental bureaucrats, but Morrison unconvincingly bemoaned that advice it would require legislative change was not brought to his attention. What I understood your question to be... Let's not go there. Well, no, it, Let's it just helps me I'll ask you a question. No, no, no it, you'll be answering something you've assumed I've asked. Okay, it's well... Be better that I ask it again, Mr Morris. Labor's Bill Shorten has been a major protagonist against this cruel and illegal system, and he says the Morrison of the witness box was a train wreck and lacked any self-awareness. And, Ruby, that pretty well sums up what the voters thought of his government back in May. Mm. And just finally, Paul, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, he was a very patient opposition leader, an approach that at the time had its critics, but you'd have to say helped deliver him the historic election win this year. So how does he see his prime ministership from here? What should we expect in 2023? Well, to get a bit of perspective, uh, you can look back at Albanese's election night victory speech. Together we can take advantage of the opportunity for Australia to be a renewable energy superpower. And he's delivered on the key promises of his agenda in the past six months. Together, we can and will establish a National Anti-Corruption Commission. And together, we can embrace the Uluru Statement from the Heart. At his end-of-year drinks at the Lodge for the Parliamentary Press Gallery, the Prime Minister was in an ebullient mood. He was content with the things achieved, but promising to do even more next year. Albanese assured the snappers and scribblers assembled by the Lodge's pool that as a Labor Prime Minister, he had not come into government to play it safe. He says he wants to change the nation for the better, and that involved taking risks. He said there was plenty more to do, and he told us we'd see what that meant next year. Albanese might be happy enough for Peter Dutton to make himself irrelevant in debates like energy, but he's hoping Dutton changes tune on the constitutional voice to the parliament 
for Australia's First Nations people. At the Prime Minister's year-ender event, the referendum enshrining the Uluru Statement from the Heart in the Constitution was the issue he nominated as his 2023 priority. Ruby, you'd have to imagine only unchecked lies could defeat this momentous attempt at recognition and reconciliation. 2023, hopefully, is going to be a very significant year for our nation. Paul, thank you so much for your time today and throughout this entire year. It's been a big one and it's been great talking to you every week. Well, thank you, Ruby. Uh, Thank you and the team. It's been great fun. I hope you have uh, a break and come back better than ever. Allora, signori, signori, grazie per tutto, arrivederci, buon Natale e ci vediamo l'anno prossimo. Arrivederci. Um, What did you just say? (laughs) Uh, I said something like, ladies and gentlemen, it's been great working with you this year. I hope you have a nice holiday. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next year. Well, happy holidays to you too, Paul. I hope you have a great break. Okay, bye. From the Saturday paper comes The Food, a free weekly newsletter featuring curated recipes from some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle and Karen Martini. Cook what they cook by subscribing today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, Peru is in a national state of emergency as political violence spreads across the country. The unrest began a week ago when the president, Pedro Castillo, attempted to dissolve Peru's Congress in order to avoid an impeachment vote. Mr Castillo was removed from office and arrested, and the vice president became the new president. In the week since Mr Castillo's arrest, supporters of the former president have attacked police stations, airports and factories. And in Australia, the police officer who shot and killed Kumanjai Walker in the remote community of Yundamu will have to face a coronial inquest into Walker's death after the Supreme Court ruled that he must face the inquest. Earlier this year, Rolf was found not guilty of murder, manslaughter and engaging in a violent act causing death in a Supreme Court trial. This is the last regular episode of 7am for 2022. It's been a huge year for the show and we can't thank you enough for spreading the word, supporting independent journalism and helping 7am continue to be Australia's number one daily news podcast. For the rest of the year, we'll be re-releasing some of our best episodes and then from January 2nd, we'll have a brand new summer series for you with new exclusive interviews with some of our favourite thinkers and contributors. We hope you enjoy it, and if you want to listen to those episodes early, you can become a paid subscriber to the show on Apple Podcasts. This year, the show has been produced by Ruby Schwartz, Anu Hasbold, Elle Marsh, Alex Gow, Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Alex Ty, Rachel Bongiorno, Megan Dancy, Shane Anderson and Zoltan Fetcho. Our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Our editor is Scott Mitchell. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. Additional composition by Atticus Basto and Alex Gow. And this episode also marks the last from our mixer, Brian Compo. Brian has been with 7am since 2019 and will be dearly missed. From all of us at 7am, thank you and all the best, Brian. I'm Ruby Jones. 
Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you again on January 16, 2023. See ya.